This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Welcome to Brownie and Blue Podcast with your host, MC. That's me. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Brownie and Blue and make sure to check out the Heroes Podcast Network at heroespodcastnetwork.com and follow all the great podcasts that are offered in that network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Browning and Blue. This is MC coming at you again. I have an incredible guest, um, very uniquely, I would say, resume in his career. Not everybody can say that they were a special operator and a NASA SWAT team operator and a team lead, correct, Jimmy? Yeah, team lead for 15 years, yeah. So, I mean, that in itself, like when somebody says, when you told people when you were going through your career, you're a SWAT operator for NASA. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I get right there. Giggles. <laughs> yeah. You get giggles, but at the same time, it's not even giggles of like, uh, like, Oh, like, you know, I'm making fun of you. It's giggles of like, Holy shit. I didn't even know that even existed. That's exactly, that's exactly what we get. You know, people are kind of laughing. They're like, Holy crap. I said, I didn't even know NASA had a SWAT team. You know, it's like, yeah, we've had one since 1979. Which so is insane. Uh, yeah. So I just wanted to get into your, so I'm talking with uh, Jimmy Wright. Uh, you're located in Florida, correct? You, you've been there most of your life? Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm an army brat. So I moved down here in 79 when my dad got out of the army and uh, we've been here since, since then. So, and then I, I left, I went into the army or army. I went into the military when I was um, 19. So 93. So I came back in 97. So yeah, been here ever since. So you have 28 plus years of experience, predominantly in special operations when it comes to law enforcement. Again, I just wanted to reiterate how uniquely um, you were a SWAT operator for about 20 years as a member of NASA's SWAT team stationed at Kennedy Space Center in Florida. For most people, they don't know where Kennedy Space Center is or that is NASA. And that's located where you are, which is in Melbourne, Florida, Kennedy Space Center area, correct? Yeah, yeah they consider it like the, the they put it the Space Coast area. So it's like uh, NASA when they took it when they took that land over, like in the '60s, um, when the government took that property over, it uh, it encompassed 140 147 uh, thousand acres. So it's like huge. It takes up a, a big part of Broward County. So and it's all on the on the ocean side, uh, Cape Kennedy, um, KSC, and then uh, actually now it's called the uh, Canaveral Canaveral uh, Space Station. <laughs> yeah, they changed the name. So and it goes all the way from North Merritt Island all the way up to Volusia County, almost almost to the tip of Daytona, the south southern tip of it. So that's insane. That's tons and tons of acres that they <laughs> that they bought up. You said one hundred and forty thousand. 247,000. Holy so, smokes. Yeah, that's huge. And the, the thing is, is like when, when the government came in there, there were people living living out there. So they basically kicked them off, you know, to, to start the space station or space, uh, spaceport. Wow. So, yeah. 
Wow. That's insane, man. So here you are, you, even before that you were in enlistment, right? In um, just based off of your career, you started in United States Air Force Security Forces, and then later entered the reserves in the 308 Pararescue Squadron, which was located in Patrick Air Force Base, which is in Florida as well, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So when I first went in, I wanted to be a PJ, and then I broke my leg. So then they stuck me in security police. <laughs> but it was good. I mean, um, I got to get, I was like a, a door gunner for convoys and stuff like that, for prior, priority A resources and stuff. So, I mean, it was good. I learned a lot and stuff. And I got to travel a little bit, do some TUIs and, and stuff. It wasn't too bad. How old were you? Oh, I was 19 and I got out when I was 23. Okay. So, so how then, did, how did, so, okay. So, here you 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 gave a little bit you were an army brat your father or your mother probably father was in the army yeah he retired after 23 years yeah okay so where did you where did you mainly grow up was it in florida or was it you know other like where were your years spent where you remember this is kind of like formidable years Cocoa Beach. <laughs> Cocoa, everybody's like, oh, man, you're from Cocoa Beach. No, I'm, I'm actually from Cocoa, which is actually two rivers away. So it's like, but you never want to say Cocoa because that's a bad part of town. So, but okay. yeah, my, my dad got out in 79. I was the youngest out of five. So like all my brothers and sisters got to see the world and do all that. But I was born in Japan, um, moved, moved back when I was three. Uh, never got to, you know, see anything except for Alabama. That's where my dad retired out of and that's not like a real fancy place to retire out of but it wasn't bad and it was nice you know so okay so growing up you know obviously you're you're one of five you're the youngest of one of five yeah i'm the baby yeah you're the baby so you know everybody looked after you you're the one that was coddled you know all the other experiments with the brothers and sisters or whatever they've already been done so with you you're like yeah, <laughs> you get away with murder yeah, my parents were done by the time I got, you know, like in high school, they're like, my mom was like, I don't, you know, I don't care what you do, just graduate. <laughs> just graduate. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. That's awesome, man. Um, so Cocoa Beach, and then what was like home life like for you? What was the, let me, let me ask you this. So home life, but like, how did this, because you have some, army brats right that's what they say you have army brats or military brats and then they have kids and then they 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 don't go into the military they do the complete opposite of what their parents have done because for whatever reason so for you how was that impressed upon you how did you look at things as you got older and why did you make that decision to go into the military uh i don't know i think it was like a last minute Last minute decision. <laughs> no, but like my my dad, the funny thing was, is I, I took the ASVAB when I was in 11th grade just to get out of class. You know, didn't, it wasn't trying to do really good in it or anything, but I took it for the Marines. And so when the Marine recruiter came, he's just like, uh, he goes, you're a damn genius. He goes, you can have any, any job you want in the Marines. And so I was just like, oh, wow, cool. All right. So I didn't really think much of it. I'm sitting on the couch on a, on a uh, Saturday and get a knock on the door. It's the Marine recruiter and my dad answers the door and he goes, what do you want? And the guy's sitting there in his class A's and he goes, I'm here to talk to you about your, your son's future in the Marines. And my dad goes, no, you're not. And he slams the door in his face and he looks at me and he goes, 
Navy or Air Force, that's all you can do. He didn't want me to go in the Army. Although my sister, my older sister, she went to the Army. She got to do it, but not me. So I got to the Air Force. So it wasn't too bad. Well, but what was dad, it? What, did he tell you why his reasoning? Did you ever ask, like, what what is the difference? Why not the Marines? And did you know the difference at that time? No, nah, I, think, I think he just thought I was too soft. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm just kidding. No, I don't know. He, he, it's just he he always said that the the Navy and the Air Force always like treated their people better. But like when I was going through it, it was kind of like the exact opposite. It seemed like the Army people were more of a team and then the Air Force was more for themselves. Mm-hmm. So and uh, I'll tell you what, the, the Army food was always better. Was it really? <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Like when we'd be on the field and stuff like that and when, when they bring hot food out. Oh, yeah, it was great. <laughs> so you go into so you go into the air force you have this uh you, you did four years correct with them yes. yeah so you did you, you did your enlistment and then you go into a pararescue and somehow i i'll be honest with you man i i left um local law enforcement here in the dc area did a couple of things before i got into the federal government uh doing policing um and the agency that I work for now, I never even heard of. I didn't even hear of them. So uh, the only way I did it is through what we um, what we did together, which was you know we were doing executive protection stuff, and so I was doing a I was doing a detail for somebody for a principal, and the people that I was detailed with, the other security uh, drivers they worked for the same agency that I'm working with now. And they started talking to me about it. And that's how I, I was like, what, like, who the hell is this? Like, what agency is this? I, I, and it was in the DC area. So um, that's how I ended up getting hooked up and learning about where I am today. But at the same time for you, I say that because how did you like, how, who, who knows to go to, to NASA to Kennedy Space Center and apply and do, you know, I wouldn't, to be honest with you, I would have thought local police department or county or whatever the case is. Well, the thing is, is like when I, when I got out, um, my, my dad retired out of, out of there too. He did, uh, he worked for Rockwell. So that when my dad left uh, the military, he went, he wanted, he moved us down here because he wanted to work on the shuttle program in 79. So we moved down here. We, we lived in a pop-up camper. Two, it was a two dogs and a cat. And all those kids in a pop-up camper. I was four, maybe five. And uh, the only thing we ate was what we caught out of the port. So we'd go out and I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. Because I, mean, I would sit there and fish all day long. So um, we did that for six months. And then, uh, and then we finally, my dad finally got a job out there. And he started working out there. So, I mean, to say that, all my family, my uncles works for NASA. Uh, my sister worked out there for a while. So like when I came back, it was like one of those things, uh, you know, go out there. Cause at that time, just the, the space center alone uh, employed over 20,000 people. And that, I mean, that's just for the shuttle program. It was, it was huge. So uh, when actually, when I got out, uh, I, I was working like some odd jobs and then found that they were, they were hiring for security. So I was just like, Oh, I'll put in for that. And the funny thing was, was like when I got out of the military, I let my hair go real long. And so I went and I did my interview and the guy goes, he goes, uh, he goes, what are you applying for? And I was like, well, for the security position. Because at that time they, they didn't hire just for SWAT. Now, nowadays they do, but at that time they didn't. So you had to actually, it was actually a five-year wait 
to get on the SWAT team. But um, at the time I went in, uh, it was like people were leaving and, and it was just like a, a perfect, uh, perfect door opened up. And I was just like, they were like, hey, well, we're not only you're getting hired, but you can go and uh, you can apply for SWAT. And by the way, you got to cut your hair. I was just like, oh, all right. <laughs> but yeah, that was that's kind of how I got into it because everybody that I knew kind of worked out there and I just uh, put in for it, kind of fell into it. Well, it's always about timing, right? Everything's oh. about timing. I mean, that there's nothing in life that like, you know, even bad times, it's all, it's all about timing. So for you, you get into this position and then, so what, what is that process like for you? So you said security, but then you could apply for the SWAT position. Is it, did you go directly into SWAT? Like, is that, or did you have to do some time, you know, cause on the road, right? Like as a police officer, you kind of, you kind of have to, you know, get some experience on the road. You get your name out there. You got to talk to, you know, hobnob with the uh, specialty guys and get your name with them and, or work cases, whatever the case is. And, you know, do that. Right. But for you, what was that like? You know, here's NASA. You have what you said, 240,000 acres. Yeah. So that's your jurisdiction, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And we, we share that at that time, it was a J Bosch contract. So, uh, the, the company that we worked for was kind of uh, space gateway support. That was who actually was under NASA. So they would, uh, we would do all the air force station at that time, all Kennedy and all the way up into, like I said, Volusia County. So, um, but during that, there's a little uh, section in there that's a um, national wildlife refuge. So we'd work with the rangers and stuff like that, the wildlife rangers and stuff like that, fish and wildlife, stuff like that. Um, but not, not too much because there wasn't too many of those around either. But the thing is, it's like NASA, what, what we did out there, you know, we were federal police. Um, it was kind of weird because we could do, we could write uh, um, regular federal uh, citations which are called dcbns and then we could also write state uh citations as well you know but it wasn't it's like you, if you sit there and you think of it like a regular police department it wasn't really like that and then it's but it is like this, the same thing with when it comes to the other police departments everything's like uh like segregated i guess so you have your swat team i mean those guys do their thing we had our marine patrol those guys kind of do their thing we have our canine those guys kind of do their thing and then you just had kind of regular security mm -hmm. so um and then we even had traffic guys and when i first got hired our traffic guys were uh, uh dual sworn so they were sheriffs they were deputies as well as being federal oh wow so, yeah so it was it was really weird but somebody got somebody got a ticket one time <laughs> and he was a higher up and he didn't like it so they he took all the special deputies away which really didn't matter because we could still write him a ticket anyway <laughs> monetary but That's at that time, our, our sheriff, our sheriff at that time, I, I believe it was Parker, um, he, he supported the special deputies. And then our, our sheriff now, uh, I, uh, Ivy, he supports it as well. But they're, they're never going to give those cards back out. It's, it's you know, they're just going to do their own thing. And, and, you, and NASA has their own federal um, class that you go through, you know, your police, police academy. Mm -hmm. So. But, so did you did you have to go through Fletzy? You said federal officer. Did you have to go through Fletzy in Glencoe, Georgia, when you became certified or whatever it is? No, they they do it down here on station. So okay. it's a, it's the same people, the same trainers come down and they and they give us the same class. So we we get a 
uh, I forget what it's called. It's been so long since I, I did it, but it's um, federal magistrate program. Oh wow! So, and we go through that, and and then we also go through the federal department. The same thing that Futsi does. Okay, so then with that, you also so did you start off in traffic or as a security, and then you applied to SWAT, or how how did that work? No, actually, it was like the very the the week I got hired. The very next week, they had tryouts for SWAT. So I went straight to SWAT, tried out um, some of the guys, some of the older guys. They didn't really care for it. But, you know, it's just like, hey, man, I, I, you know, I put in for it. I got it. There's only a couple of us that did. So, um, you know, you had two, two or three new guys on a team of, of, well, about that time, I think we were 25. So we had 25 members. We have three lieutenants and one captain. Mm. So, um, and we were like the three young guys. And, and they'd always give us crap because, you know, we didn't, we didn't put our dues up for five years, but whatever <laughs> it is, what it is. Like you said, you know, it's all about time. Yeah, definitely. So with the, with the SWAT process, how did, how was that? Like, because most people, you know, there's listeners that are either in law enforcement or not in law enforcement. So it's always interesting. So SWAT is, you know, the, 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 that acronym stands for special weapons and tactics. And most people probably know that, but a lot of people don't. My wife didn't even know that. So I had to tell her that, you know, she was like, what? That's what it means. But for you, so most people, when they think of SWAT, they think of the movie, they think of kicking down doors. They think of, you know, flashbangs going into a house. You're going in and, you know, grabbing somebody, wanted person, or you're dealing with something that deals with that, right? But for you as a SWAT operator, when it comes to um, NASA, you know, and then even the process with that, what was that process like? How did you, what, what were you graded on and how rigorous was it? Well, I mean, our, ours is totally different. So you can't really like put us with like the regular SWAT teams that are out there work the streets. We don't do warrants. We don't bank, you know, we don't build houses. We were basically NASA's uh, insurance you know, in case something ever happened, active shooter. But anytime we had dignitary, you know, dignitaries come in, we always did dignitary protection. Uh, I did three presidents, three vice presidents. So anytime the president would come down, we'd work in with the Secret Service. You know, we'd do their their prior, their you know, two weeks spin up, and then we'd go through and do everything like that. And then um, I mean, they would they would put us in as a QRF, you know, for for the president. But when the vice president came down, it was only one uh cat guy so we would work we would work with him and then we would run the team mm. so it's which kind of cool because we we were the first agency ever to use air support one of our snipers for vice president conus so that you know that's kind of cool we that did it cool. with, we did it with pence so okay. he's, a great, he's a great guy <laughs> <laughs> well that's yeah, awesome so i mean it's it's there's uh you know, we, we, we do all the, all the same stuff, all the same training as, you know, the radio SWAT guys. And actually, um, for the past 10 years, we would give a BTOC class, basic tactical operators course mm -hmm. and once a year. And so any, anybody that's in this area, like, uh, even, even Orange County, if Orange County had, um, uh, SWAT operators that they needed to get certified, they had to have their 80 hour to hundred hour class. They'd go through our school. So, um, like, I'm, I'm a trainer, I'm a shootout instructor, uh, firearms instructor, first master, bell master. You know, so I, during the during the BTOC class, we our uh, captain would give us little classes. You know, you know, I wouldn't have the same one every time, but uh, we'd go in there and we'd uh, spin up these guys and get them certified so that they could be work with the team. 
And then, so, you know, cause you have to have your cert to even to be a SWAT operator. So that was one of the cool things we, we kind of did for the community. So like all the, the local PDs, we had Coco, Rockledge, all those guys, even Fish and Wildlife, we sent a few of those guys, there. even some Army guys, EOD guys, uh, before they uh, went over, you know, they did their spin up, they'd come out and they went through our course. So, I mean, that was one thing I always look forward to is, you know, because I love training, I love training, you know, people. So we would teach them all their room entries, all their uh, you know, uh, diversionary devices, less lethal, all that stuff. So, well, that's the thing. So for you, uh, previous to all that, like when you went into when you SWAT school, right, mm -hmm. uh, to get certified or to be on the team, what was that like? What was that process like? Was it physical, tons of physical activity? Like, you know, um, most people have no clue. Like they just think they, they watch TV and that's what it is. But for you, you know, what were the requisites that you needed in order to get onto the team? Well, when I first got on it, because it's changed quite a bit. I mean, it even changed, like, from what it is now to what we did was, like, totally different. So we had to do a two-mile run within 14 minutes, which isn't that bad. Mm -hmm. Two-mile run, 14 minutes. And we had to do the actual military O course. And then we did uh, we had to do our push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups. I think it was, like, our push-ups, we had, like, 44. And I think it was, like, was it two minutes or a minute? Something like that. But it was, like, super, you know. Anybody could do it. 44, we had to do six pull-ups, uh, 44 sit-ups, and then we had an oral board, and then we had um, a task-specific. So you'd go, you'd fight for like a minute, and then you'd run over these berms, and then you'd, you'd put your uh, your uh, vest on, entry vest, you'd pick up and put a helmet, pick up a ram, run over to the, the rappel tower, put the ram down, go up, touch the roof, come back down, mm -hmm. you'd pick up the ram, go back over to the bearcat, you'd uh, put a gas mask on and you do the Kim's game where you like look into this box, you know, try to memorize, you know, everything that's in there, run to the shooting line. Uh, you, you clear out your Glock, take it apart, put it back together, uh, function test it, pick up a Ram and go to the end. You had to do that within like six months, which was <laughs> to totally doable, but you know, you get, you get, it all sounds like a lot though. Well, you actually, the, what, the one thing that you get was the, the run because we'd always do, do the run and they, they changed that to, to where it went to now it's, a mile and a half and i want to say it's like 10 30 or something like that so yeah. it's, a, you know, it's a little bit harder yeah yeah but, yeah but that's what gets everybody's a run because they, they freak out over it which is not a big deal what about the uh what about the range scores oh 90 90 so the the one thing about ours is it's all move and shoot um you're all you're all in the kit so um we have we shoot with gas mask we have a couple volleys where, you know, you could put your gas mask on, clear your gas mask, and then go back to, you know, regular. Um, so you have to shoot 90% on your handgun and your rifle. And if you don't, you know, and the funny thing is, is like, if you're on the team, no matter how long you've been on the team, if you don't shoot 90%, you get to, you get to go again. If you don't get to go again, you're off the team. Mm. And if you shoot a no shoot more than once, you're off the team. Wow. And it used it used to be really hard because you know the, the T intersects on the on the face. Right. You have that they have that A zone that goes right there in the eyes. Mm -hmm. um, we'd have to do failure drills at full auto because the 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 rifle we carried was an HK four sixteen, and we'd have to do failure drill on full auto on the move from uh, I think it was like ten to two, and so you you get a lot of guys like you know threat and you hear <laughs> or or you'd hear. 
Hey, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So that's true. That's yeah. true. <laughs> but it's you know it, it's it's always changed, and I, I think that's that's a good thing because you don't want to stay stagnant in a you know certain certain way. And you know that's they say that about tactics. You know tactics change, and uh, you know you can't. I mean, you have your basics, but you know you got to stay up up to date. You know, especially like with all this active shooting and stuff like that, and people going into to schools. You know, people got to change their mindset and be ready to go. Was that something that um, even as a SWAT operator early on in your career, was that something that was a big topic as far as an active shooter, or as they call it now, active threat? Um, was that something that you guys trained on a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not as not as much as like being a, you know, one man team, you know, mm-hmm. and if it's SWAT, you're always, you know, never do anything by yourself. Right. But, you know, once, you know, once all these school shootings like Columbine, that's a that's a huge one. Uh, you know, that was basically the first one um, that brought in the schools, uh, you know, that, that, that changed everybody's mindset that you had to go in and, you know, even if it's just you, you know, you got to go in there and stop that threat. Like, so I did, um, I did 17 years on the, on the competition team for NASA too. So we got, I went to roundup for 17 years and on the, at the beginning of roundup on the, on that Sunday, you'd always have uh, like people get up there and speak, they did speakers and stuff. And one of them was was Columbine, and it, it just happened. And and we heard all the video and stuff like that. Man, it's just like if you could go back in time mm. and and change things. Mm-hmm. Oh man, there, I mean, there's, I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I mean, yeah. you just kind of you after listening to this, you're like, I can't believe they didn't do anything. But I can't say, you know, what I would do if I was there. You know, I, I mean, I can now, but you know, what would I do back then? You know, right. you learn. You learn, do not go into that house until you have somebody with you. Not now. You know, right. now it's, now it's, you're a one-man team, man. Yeah. I get it. I get it. And so what? How, how has that changed into today? Because my thought process is, you know, here we have a lot of these active threats, shooters, whatever you want to call them. And, you know, the tactics of what you said is, has changed to where before, before Columbine, it was, you know, you're waiting. You're waiting for like a two or three man group. And I remember hall boss. You remember that as like you, you got to have this team and you have this kind of uh, uh, formation where you're moving down halls and all this stuff. And, you know, you check in doing whatever. And now it's it. You're it. You're yeah. the guy, you know, yeah. you get there. So but but the problem that I see is the lack of training in the sense of all across the board. Right. Where even not every cop is the same as you know a operator because most cops i wouldn't say most cops but there's a lot of cops that don't train outside of their own uh necessary training right whether it's you know you're sitting at a line you're shooting kind of target shooting or they don't do that and you know they're just doing it what once or twice a year just to qualify and then at the same time they're not thinking or training tactics as far as like how you move down a hall, how you enter into a room, whether it's dynamic or whether you over penetrate and all these different things. Most officers aren't even doing that street officers. And those are the ones that are going to be going to this active threat or active shooter. Right. So as a SWAT operator, you know, what is your thoughts on how that training kind of needs to get to the front lines and, it's not about SWAT. It's not about waiting for SWAT. It's about training the officers now 
to be almost SWAT operators and have the tactics and the knowledge to be able to do those things if they have to. Yeah, I mean, I, I talk about this all the time. One of my buddies that was on the team, he was a sniper with me on NASA. He, he was uh, actually in the Army. He was an Army sniper and a uh, great guy, um, tons of knowledge. And he just he just left NASA, and now that's what he's doing. He's going out and started his own training uh, right here in, in uh, Coco. We have, like, a new range. It's, it's, it's really badass. But um, he – we're sitting there trying to make – because I, I look at some of the videos on, on like Instagram and stuff like that and I'm watching these guys, how they're training people and stuff like that. And they're, it's all about like timers. I don't care how fast you can shoot. It's are you hitting what you're shooting at? You know, I don't care how, I don't care how many rounds you can put down range. You know, you see all these people shooting full auto. How often are you ever going to use that in real life? You're not, especially, you know, not in, you know, you know, like not in the mili military, yes, maybe. Here in, in, uh, in the real world, no, you're never going to use that. So we were talking about that, and he's setting up new new, uh, new courses and stuff like that just to teach, you know, your average person. And because your average person, you know, that's what they see. They see this movie thing, and they go, oh, I want to be able to do this and that. It's like, no, 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 you need to learn your basics and, and learn, you know, how to move and shoot and first how to handle your gun. You know, how do you handle your weapon, whatever. So, you know, a lot of people just say, oh, you know, here's, here's your gun, you know, point it down range, shoot as many rounds as you can in this, in this uh, short amount of time. You know, so, and like you were saying, the, the regular officer, I'm going back to that. I, I see a lot of that because, you know, now, now uh, I'm with the VAR County, you know, Sheriff's Office, and I see a lot of guys, you know, especially like newer, newer kids, you know, they're pretty gung-ho, you know, they, they want to learn, they want to go out there and stuff like that. But they don't, we don't get training. We don't, we don't get that. We have an open range day where they, they go out there and you can, you can go shoot and they go here, here's your 50 rounds. Go, go become a SWAT guy, you know, with 50 rounds. It's just like, you know, what am I supposed to do with that? You know? And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty sad because, and then we, we do have our, our block training and stuff like that once a year. Uh, the trainers that we have, they're great. And they, they're very knowledgeable and they, they can teach you, but we just don't get a lot of time with it. And the people that, you know, the guys that I work with and, and the ladies that I work with, they don't really go out there and do it, you know, on their own. I, you know, I, I sit there and I talk to them. I said, hey, you need to go you know, at least at least on open range days because you all have one, one a month. Go out there, you know, get your 50 rounds, shoot your 50 rounds, do something, do some transition drills, you know, move and shoot, you know, not, you know come off, you know, come offline, you know, shoot, you know, shoot one handed, you know, find out what you're going to do if you get hurt. You know, um, go out there with a with a person and go out there with a friend, you know, another another, you know, sheriff deputy and and uh, work together. You know, so it's like, um, like you said, man, it's just a lot of people aren't taking the initiative to do it. And that, that really needs to change. It definitely needs to change because, you know, law enforcement itself has to change. Right. And, you know, the more threats it, it, we see it daily, you know, you look at these big cities and even small towns. I mean, people are. People are definitely going to test the cops. <laughs> you, oh, you know, yeah. you went from NASA to now you're in Brevard, Brevard Sheriff's Department, um, Sheriff's Office. Like what, what, what have you seen even in how long have you been with Brevard? Uh, just a little over two years. So two years. within the two years, like what is it, what, you know, what, what is your take? What is, how is it that, you know, we can be better as a law enforcement community to be able to better the community with our tactics, with 
you know, how we're supposed to be doing things? Uh, I mean, that's, that all falls on the individual. So it's like, you can tell somebody they need to do something to your blue in the face, but until they get out and, 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 and do it. I mean, <clears throat> we just had a shooting here not too long ago. And one of our, uh, officers, uh, had a, did a traffic stop and the guy came out and, and went at him with it, with an AK. And so our, our officer returned fire and you know, killed the guy, but you can sit there and watch that video and you're going to pick it apart no matter what, even though the end result was what we wanted. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's watching the video. You're like, okay, this kid needs to learn this, this, and this, but he did a great job. So, um, but when is that not non-training going to kick in and be like, Oh crap, he should have done this. And then it turns around the other way and, and the officer gets killed. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know how that's going to change because that that always starts from the top. And until an officer gets killed, they won't change the training. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's like that knee jerk reaction you get. Like like when nine eleven, when nine eleven kicked off. Oh, oh man, oh we're gonna go kick some butt. Go kick some butt. Yeah, we did for a little while. Then then what we do? We left and left all that equipment over there. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's got to happen again. Mm-hmm. It's got to happen again so we can go do it again. Because right. we're so quick to forget. So that's the bad thing. So here you are as a SWAT operator with NASA. Now you're with Brevard. Is there something that, um, to me, it would be, you know, if I was a sheriff or if I was somebody that was a bean counter or something like that, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to pick your brain as far as the knowledge, you know, and, and what we can do to better the training, better our officers. How can we do this? You know, for you, is it something that you go to your command staff or whoever and try to say, hey, this is what we need to implement. You know, this is what's going to work because you're also in the private sector because, you know, for the listeners, like we're going to plug your stuff. You're the owner of uh, Cicada Tactical and, you know, you make your own weapons or your own um, just what do you call it? The systems like the optic systems and it's universal. Right. But you do these things and you have all this knowledge, I would hope that they're using that knowledge and they're trying to pick your brain to see how we can make things better. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> okay. So they're, they're having, <laughs> they're having SWAT tryouts uh, next month. And uh, just for the fact that, you know, I've been out of it and I, I want to be back in it. I'm like I said, I'm 48 years old and, and I'm going back out to, to, you know, be a SWAT operator with, for Bavard. So, and it's one of those things that, once it's in your blood, you want to you want to keep doing it. And my thing is, I'm I'm totally into training and stuff like that. So any anytime we get around like people that are even on my squad, you know, I I, I want to talk to them about their tactics. I want to talk to them about what they can do. I want to say, hey, let's go out to the range when they have an open range day, you know. Um, but it's all on them. If they if if they don't want to do it, I can't make them. I can't force them. But it's I want to get back on the team just to the fact that. I want to talk to those guys that are on, on this team because most of those guys that are on Bavard County, um, I used to compete with them. I used to train with them anyway. They come out to NASA. We train with them. We do room metries, stuff like that. Um, we do uh, scenarios and stuff like that with them. Uh, so like everybody in this area, all the SWAT operators, it's a small group. Um, we all kind of know each other. So um, if we can just get like a group to go out on the weekends and just train these people, 
you know, even, and like I said, uh, my buddy, Nick Romero, the guy, the sniper in the army that was on the team. Um, he's, that's one of the things he wants to do too. He wants to do beginners classes. He wants to do advanced classes and, and have all, all the local teams come in and, and just all you have to do is just pay for the, the ammo, you know, and we'll go through some room answers and the, the range that they have now, you can actually pull a vehicle inside the range and do uh, vehicle assaults and stuff like that and extractions and stuff like that. So it's like, we need to, we need to get more agencies, not only just there, just them, but working together, you know? So, uh, cause you never know when something big is going to happen. I mean, with nine 11, I mean, there was like tons of people working together. So. Yeah. I think what's going on now is, you know, a pulse nightclub that was in Florida, oh, yeah. correct? Yeah, so they're, right. they're, they're kind of going around and, you know, they're giving their act after action, uh, review of, uh, what could have been done better, what could have been done, you know? Um, but at the same time, you know, law law enforcement, you know, I think is changing to the point where the average officer, I guess the average officer today, it, it shouldn't be average. It needs to be where everybody is, in a sense, um, above average, you know, almost to that special operator uh, level. And that's the mindset, right? Like that's that's I think how all law enforcement should be trained. You know, it shouldn't be to me and I'm going to get on my pulpit, but to me, it's like you look at high school teams or you look at um, any type of sports team, whether it's high school or even ankle biters, like they have more training within their like season of whatever sport that they're doing than an officer does within like a career. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, like, think about that, you know, in a season you have more training for whatever sport it is, but yet officers don't have that same amount of training in a career. And that could be 20, 25 years. And that's, to me, that's, that right there is failing the community. And that right there is failing, you know, our brothers and sisters. And uh, it's a shame. And I don't know how to change that. I really don't. I don't know where that comes from as far as like making national standard. Um, You know, you make, aspects of you know it, it's got to be a requisite that you got to be in shape for one let's talk yeah. about that you know yeah. how, many, how many officers do you look at on the street where you're like good lord man you look like a bag of shit <laughs> yeah I get, yeah i see that a lot yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and the one thing right now is like big in florida is the, the sros the school resource officers and stuff like that they're like making a big deal about um giving them you know every single one of them has has an ar now and it's it's on their person so it's like it's not in the vehicle anymore it's on their person they carry it wherever they go so mandated is that mandated for the sros it it isn't the ward it isn't the ward they just went to that and i believe um indian river county too um so i i think that like every everywhere down in like this area of florida and i think orange county might be going to it too i'm not sure but um i mean i think that's great I mean, first off, okay, they're going to have an, a- an AR or whatever, you know, long rifle or something like that in their vehicle. That's retarded. Why are you going to have that out in the car? Out in the car? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really have to be in, you know, give them an MD5. That's the best weapon ever made, you know, and it's super small. You can just hold that all day long. I'll take one. I'll, you know what? If they give that to SROs, I'm becoming an SRO. Yeah. That one. So, but yeah, it's just, you know, weapon manipulation, you know, all that stuff. They just, they don't, they don't teach it. Like I, I just, 
see these kids coming out of the academy and going through FTO and and once they're on the street, it, it, it's like they don't have the training to, to be on the street. So I mean, even after they go through, you know, the the whole academy and FTO, it's just like after talking to them, it's, and, and I ain't gonna lie, I ain't gonna lie, being a federal and being on NASA SWAT and going to state and going, you know, to be a, a deputy was was night and day. Oh yeah, you know, I had to learn a lot. I'm still yeah. learning. I mean, I've only been there for two years and I'm still learning stuff and I'm, I'm not afraid to ask. That's, that's the issue right there. You get these young kids and they think just because they get a badge, they know everything. Mm. No, 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 no. It's like, my thing is, is as long as I can talk to you and calm you down, I'll learn the rest. You know? <laughs> I'll learn the rest. Well, that's but, a big thing too, right? Like, I mean, Jimmy, we're both, we're both in our forties. You're 48. I'm 44. You know, we came into, a time of law enforcement where the internet and all these apps and chat apps and this just like not talking to people was not a thing, right? We actually talked to people, whether it was in high school, we saw the advent of the internet. We saw these things, but yet we were still um, on, on, you know, Commodore 64 computers <laughs> and yeah. we were, you know, still playing Atari and, you know, Sega Genesis and all this stuff was still coming in. And, you know, the kids that are coming into law enforcement today, they're, they're on a whole different level, right? Like they're on Snapchat, they're on Instagram, they're on all these different social media and platforms where they don't even have to ask for a girl's number anymore. They just ask for like, what's your Instagram? It, you know what I mean? That's the form of like, you know, uh, what's your number? I remember the days where I used to go into a club and I had to literally memorize a girl's number at the bar when the music was blaring, right? <laughs> and you had to memorize it, repeat the number over to yourself if you really wanted to talk to this girl again. Uh, you had to memorize it, and then you had to find whether it was the bartender or a friend or somebody. There were even times where I knew that I had to bring a pen because yeah. I would bring a pen to the bar. Oh, <laughs> I, I see, I see. Uh-huh. He had this little black book and a pen. I'm <laughs> But my point is, is that there was a lot more effort into talking, into all these things. Today, that's not the case. And so these kids come into law enforcement. And what I would say is law enforcement itself is you have to be able to communicate with the community. You got to be able to de-escalate situations by your word, not by action or by inaction. You got to be able to connect and you can't connect with people that are perfect strangers with a, with a TikTok <laughs> or yeah. with an Instagram. Well, wait, hold on. You got your phone on you? Pick that up. I'm going to de-escalate this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a bad thing. Like us growing up, when we were growing up, you know, I never wanted to be inside. I never wanted to play video games. I was, you know, I wanted to play football, go out and play with my friends, you know, go out and, because we growing up, I had horses and, and four-wheelers and stuff like that. You know, I just, I wanted to be out there doing that, you know. Um, but nowadays, nah, man, I, you know, you can't get these kids off the off their phone and, and out of the AC. They don't want to sweat. <laughs> and that's the bad thing, too. Nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to work for real. And that's that's the one thing that's like we have um, on, on my squad. If, you know, like that's another thing too, mental health. Mental health is huge. Mm, huge. You know, we, just lost a, we just lost a deputy um, last month to, to suicide. So, um, and I, I wish I could say I was really good friends with him, but I actually met him two days prior 
to it happening. We went out and had a beer and he was uh, one of my buddy's, you know, best friends. He was going to be in his, in his wedding and stuff like that. And sat there for, it was, you know, it was great that I got to, I got actually got to meet this guy, you know, uh, young kid, like he's 23, 23, 24, something like that. Oh my God. And it, yeah. It's a, it's a shame, man. And, and, you know, people, uh, in, in, um, my, my one buddy, I don't know if you've ever heard of the survive first mm. foundation. It's a nonprofit. Uh, okay. um, it's, it's getting really big. It's nationwide now, but Doug Monda, he was a, he was a SWAT guy out of, um, Coco. Okay. Great, great guy. Great guy. Um, super knowledgeable, um, great SWAT operator, um, super physically fit dude. He, um, he's, he started that survive first because when, when he was, uh, going through some stuff, he actually put a gun to his mouth, pulled the trigger and it didn't go off. Holy so, shit. yeah. So that was him. He goes, he goes, when that happened, he goes, I knew God, you know, had a different, different path for me. Mm-hmm. So he started this and he's, he's doing great work. So anytime I like, like my squad, this is what I was getting at. Anytime my squad has somebody they have to deal with and try to de- de-escalate, especially a military guy, um, they'll call me and I'll come out there and I'll talk to them because I mean, I'm not going to yell at people or, you know, you know, let me, you know, tell me, tell me what you're going through. You know, but, you know, I can't say that I've, I've been through the same thing, but you know, you could talk to me and, and I have people that will talk to you. So every time I get there, I give, I give them survive first number and, uh, and they always call me back. Every person I've talked to, you always call me back and said, Hey, thanks. Thanks for talking to me. And thanks for giving me this guy's number. So, but that, I mean, that's just, an, that's a tangent getting off on another thing, you know, besides training, but you know, that's, that's another thing that needs to be brought up as mental health, you know, cause you get these, these young kids. I mean, we had a, like fentanyl is really big right now. So we had six deaths in one day and it was all like within six hours because we were 12 hour shifts and, you know, uh, two of the, two of the deaths I went on with the same kid and the kid's 22 years old. Mm. And, and the, and the first one he saw, it was two dead bodies laying on top of each other and he, he freaked out. So I was just like, you know, you can have this kid that's never seen it and, and saw it react totally different than a guy that had seen it, you know, years and years and years. Mm-hmm. The way Doug always said, he goes, um, you never know when somebody's going to snap. You have this guy that's, you know, say, you know, say he's a cat guy, a Delta guy, and he's you know done all this stuff. And, and he's come over here and now he's a deputy and he's done all this stuff and he's retired. And then you think he's in a good place. It sounds like he's in a good place. You talk to him, but he's driving home one day. And that's exactly how Doug put it. Driving home one day and he sees the car in front of him run over a squirrel. Something snaps. Mm. Something snaps in his head. He goes home and he kills himself. So it's just like, it, like uh, I can't say, well, I don't want to say what I want to say. <laughs> say it. The, the our higher ups need to get involved and, and show that hey look this is an issue because after this happened you know i'm going to say he's my buddy but you know because he's my coworker and right. he's, he's got, um uh they didn't really do too much mm. and uh, it's kind of it's kind of disheartening you know you see this young kid that could have had like this you know great career you know he just, he just bought a house you know he had he had so much going for him you know and uh and so he goes home and does this and and, uh and and then now you know it's like a knee-jerk reaction they go oh do you need to talk to somebody but the higher ups is the higher ups aren't asking that it's it's uh, like doug monda in this group he's like oh well you know i'm gonna go out and help these people and then the higher ups look at him like no we don't need your help yeah that's crazy they told they actually told him that they don't need his help and it's like this is a this is a free service even, to, even just to hear this guy talk, 
because I mean, uh, I feel totally different after he'll come out and he'll he'll just talk and that hearing him speak, mm-hmm. it's it's great. It kind of it almost like you know kind of cleanses you a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and to let you know that you're not the only one there, you're not the only one that's seen this, and that there's other people that you can talk to. So, well, I love I, no, you're not going off on a tangent. I think it's uh, apropos because it all it it, it all encompasses police work right whether you're training whether you're a SWAT operator whether you're a patrol officer whether you're you know working that force protection booth regardless it's all law enforcement and the thing is is what it comes down to is that law enforcement itself needs to do better in how to treat the mental health aspect of their people and that's what you're talking about right yeah Um, you, you you need you need you need care, you need self-care and you need group care and you need people in positions of power, whether it's a chief, a sheriff, whatever, that understand that the officer that is putting on that badge, putting on that uniform, that gun belt, waking up every day, going into work, putting in, going into that cruiser is not just the officer, right? Like that's a aspect of that person's life. That's a that, that that may be I don't know that may be a smidgen that may be like fifty percent of what they do on a daily basis. But other than that, you got people that are husbands, wives. You have people that are daughters, sons. You have people that have daughters, sons. You have people that have these things in their life. You have people that have mothers, fathers that could possibly be sick that have nothing to do with law enforcement. But yeah. this is all adding to the cumulative trauma that a law enforcement officer takes on when they go into the job, right? Seeing the two dead bodies on top of each other, uh, you know, that fentanyl thing, you know, whatever is going on, whatever you see, hearing people's domestic violence issues, seeing kids, you know, being torn apart from families because of domestic violence or whatever it is, murders, suicides from other people, you know, all these things. The problem is, is that law enforcement, from what I see, the upper echelon do not take the holistic approach of caring for their people. That holistic approach needs to change. It's not just, uh, oh, we're going to care for you because, Jimmy, you got into a uh, officer involved shooting today. So therefore, now we're going to act like we care. No. You need to care if Jimmy comes into work and he all of a sudden starts screaming at somebody, but yet this isn't the Jimmy that we know, right? This is somebody different. So therefore something needs to come in to where it's like, Hey, are you good? What can we do for you? You know, Jimmy comes in and smells like alcohol. Oh, instead of putting you in an IA investigation and then separating you from the tribe, the tribe of people that you trust and you want to be a part of instead of separating you, how about, how can we help you? How can we get you into a, you know, a a 12 step program? How can we get you away from this to where you can get help and then you come back and we know we love you and we care for you, you know, instead of, Hey, Jimmy, guess what? Here's IA. Go talk to IA. IA says, Hey, Jimmy, give me your badge. Give me your gun. Give me all your stuff. Um, we're going to go ahead and investigate this, and we're going to go ahead and try to get you out the door. Because yeah. guess what? All you're doing is adding to the stress level that has already been displayed, and now 
that person takes all that and now they're separated from all the people that they trust and love. And then you're giving them even more avenue to kill themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, and that, and that, and that, this, what we're talking about right now is the most important aspect because they do it for the military. They're yeah. doing great things for the military when it comes to the the suicides. But yet when it comes to law enforcement, they're not looking at it in the same vein. And yeah. that is a problem. Have you ever watched a Sean Ryan show? He was I, have not, I have not. Oh, man, you got to watch that. He's an ex-feel. He has a, he has a uh, thing on YouTube. He does a couple, I think, interviews. In What's the- his name? Sean Ryan? Sean Ryan. Oh, man, yeah. He's, he's great. He's, I forget what the... His uh, company's name is something Vigilance Elite. Vigilance Elite, I think that's what it's called. Okay. But he, he goes through um, like it seems like every like uh, SF guy, you know, CEO guy. They've they've all gone through this like mental health thing, and and you know they've gotten real low and stuff. And Sean talked about it, and and uh, in a couple of his podcast stuff. But uh, he was saying that he, I mean, they he he even went and tried. Um, not not hallucinogenics, but it's it's almost like that. NDA, I think it's called DMT. Yeah, that's it. DMT. Yeah. And he said that 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 actually worked so great that it even he even stopped drinking. He just uh, posted something on Instagram saying that he's like six months sober, doesn't want it, hasn't had any bad you know vibes in his in his life now. It's pretty. I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, there's there's all this treatment out there that could help you know law enforcement um you know military and stuff like that and but it's just not you know the government's like oh no we're not gonna we're not gonna do that and it's expensive like he was talking about like a 10-week program i think it was like ten thousand dollars so it's like you know it's like crazy but but everybody um he he mentioned a lady that was uh she was in heroin you know in heroin you're like 100 percent relapse Mm. you know it's just like you you can't get off of it so it's uh and, and i see that you know every day um, cause heroin's pretty bad down here. Uh, but he, he said that she, she did that and she totally got weaned off of everything. And she's like a totally different person. She's been that way for like five years or something like that. It was, it was pretty, pretty long time. I don't remember exact time, but mm-hmm. it was a uh, pretty impressive. So it's just like, there's, there's all this stuff out there that they can do, but nobody wants to do it. But um, let's get, to, let's just get back to the sheriff's office. I mean, they don't even want to talk to us. So it's like, it's, it's, yeah, it's something that needs to be changed. And, and, and like Doug, he wants to come out and talk to you for free and they won't let him. That's kind of weird. That you is. Know? Let, the, let the guy come out and at least speak to you. I think, I think, um, and, and you can agree, disagree, whatever, but I think what happens is it's just like anything, right? You, you get a bunch of alpha males and then you have these alpha males that go into positions of power, whether they're command staff or the chief or whatever the case is. And if it's not their idea, then they're not going to go with it. Right. Because it, it, because it doesn't come from them. So that right there in itself is a problem. And, you know, this whole ego, this machismo, you know, from, from my Latin culture, this whole machismo process of, you know, this is, this is me you know, respect me and all this bullshit. Like, you know, that, that in itself, like we're, we're seeing uh, leadership qualities that, that is the antithesis of what we would, what, what we call leadership. Right. Right. You know, and, and we're putting people in positions through what I would consider very 
shitty processes, um, you know, taking a test, you know, you have that two year wonder, three year wonder that all they do is study general orders and they're very book smart and they can regurgitate, you know, verbatim every little jot and tittle of what they've read, you know, state code and county code and all this stuff. And they take that test and all of a sudden they're. That's a guy I call when I go, hey, man, what do I do for this? (laughs) (laughs) Right. But but see, here's the here's the difference. You're doing it. They're just they can just give you the book answer because they've never done it. And that's what happens in leadership is that that person climbs because they can take these tests and panel interviews and say all the great things. And it sounds great. And then they get into a position where all of a sudden now they're making a call on you, Jimmy, where you've actually done the job. You're actually out there beating the bushes. You're actually out there making a difference in the community by getting drugs off the street or by, you know, helping, you know, whoever is hooked on heroin and you're sitting there talking to them or veterans through crisis intervention and your, your de-escalation techniques and stuff like that. And now they're the ones that are telling you how you're doing the job wrong because, you know, little Annie down the street or her mom called and said that you talked to her wrong. You know, now you're, now you're in the penalty box. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That happens all the time. (laughs) And so these are issues, right? These are problems that need, not even problems. They're, they're definite issues that need to change within the police culture. Um, and we can talk about this all day long. You know, I, I do want to kind of change gears. I want to go into just based on your bio, I, I thought it was interesting. So you were presented a life-saving award by the Melbourne Chamber of Commerce in 2016 for locating and rescuing uh, by helicopter a victim trapped in a isolated marsh. Can you talk about that and just kind of like give details and how that came about? Yeah, it was um out, out there in Playlinda. There's a road that goes all the way out. Um, uh, do you know where Playlinda is? Do I do remember? not. It's, it's, it's uh, kind of north of our gate. But like I said, that whole area is a wildlife refuge and it still belongs to NASA because when they when the shuttle would go off, they would lock this whole area down for the blast radius area. So if mm-hmm. the shuttle blew up, um, this would be the area that everything that like the parts would cover, you know, so it's all covered down. So Playlinda is like a beach that's just north of us. So uh, one morning there's a guy, he ran the gate at Playlinda, you know, and it's basically, it's a wildlife refuge. So you got to pay to get in there and go down this, this beach. So he ran the gate and a few, few miles down the road, they, they heard him hit the pole and he flipped into the water. Mm. So what happened was when, when uh, the first person to get there was actually one of our SWAT officers, he gets there and he sees this guy run off into the marsh. And he, I mean, if you know this area, it's like really, really congested, but it's, it's Florida. There's, there's gators. I mean, huge gators all throughout this area. How the guy didn't get bit, I don't know. So, but he's <laughs> calling through this, swimming through this marsh and stuff like that. And he's, he's, a uh, I think he broke his arm. So he was like, he was hurt, he was bleeding. But he, his whole mindset was he needed to get away from the cops because he didn't want to get arrested. And he was super drunk. So he goes off into the woods and uh, 
we couldn't see them and we couldn't, we couldn't get in. So we have a FLIR on our helicopter and we were going to run the FLIR, try to see if we can pick up heat signature within the, within the um, canopy, you know, mm -hmm. FLIR can't really see in, in the canopy, mm -hmm. but it can see on the outskirts and stuff like that. So we called in the helicopter. I got in there with uh, another one, my SWAT guys. And, and it was funny because the, the fire chief gets there and he goes, Hey, do you, do you want me to call one of my, my helicopters up? And I go, Oh, you mean one of my helicopters? Yeah, yeah, I already called it. It's it's on its way. It's on its way. And so when you fly, you have to wear these. You know, they're they're called Mustangs, the the BCDs, the uh, buoyancy compensator device. So uh, when you go down over over water, you can pop them. So he get. I had mine. My other SWAT officer had his. And then he goes, hey, he goes, well, my, one of my medics want, needs to go with you guys. And I said, well, does he have his BCD? And he goes, nope. So well, he can't go. I said, I got it. So. But anyway, I go, no, here, man, I'm, I'm good. You can take, have mine. So we, we get up and we get airborne. And within like first like couple minutes, we, we could see him. He's like crawling up out of the water and stuff like that. So we, uh, we fly over and it's all that elephant grass. So I, I disconnect and I look at the other SWAT officer and I say, hey, I said, we, we got to jump. And he's like, what? I was like, we got to jump. He can't land. So we jump and we go into the mud like lawn darts. We go out there and then we get this guy and he's like all beat up his arms, you know, you know, snapped. We get him, get him safety and they take him off. Life, life, uh, saver. Eh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my chief wrote me up and I got one. So that is though, I mean, who, who's going to jump from a helicopter at like a lawn dart into that. I mean, that's crazy, man. Like, I, you, 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 the way you talk about it is like so nonchalant. Like, ah, yeah, whatever. Like, even your other SWAT buddy was probably like, what? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? I got to jump? <laughs> he saw me do it. He's like, ah, oh, we're good. And he jumps in. <laughs> hey, we're supposed to jump at the same time, but eh. he's like, But yeah, like we went to the, we went to the award banquet for that and and after hearing some of these, there was one kid that got shot three times. One of the deputies got shot three times and, and saved this lady's life. And I'm like, he got the valor, you know, and I'm like, mm. I look over at my, my buddy and I go, we shouldn't be here. <laughs> nah, it was, it was good. I mean, the, the guy probably, if he would have been out there any longer, yeah, he would have probably, he would probably passed out and he was bleeding pretty bad. So yeah, they, I mean, we put a tourniquet on him when we got him back to the, to the, um, the landing zone. So they, took him back yeah we're great we're great at um talking away our own accomplishments aren't we like we <laughs> like especially like we're, we're we're masters of compare and contrast and we're like ah you know but at the same time like i'll tell you man that's there's not a lot of people that would do or would have done what you did you know and your chief i commend him i mean the fact that he recognizes that you know is a, is a good thing um, and I think that needs to happen more. I'll tell you a quick story. The opposite of that, right? Like, so here you are, you did that life-saving award, regardless of the guy's drunk or not, regardless of however many um, crocodiles didn't want to, <laughs> didn't want to eat them that night. Regardless of all that, this is what you did, right? You, you did save this guy's life because ultimately never found probably blood out, probably animals would have got him. Something would have happened. The opposite of that is this. So the agency I'm with now is, you know, not not a whole lot goes on if something does go on, um, like 9-11, a uh, plane going into the side of it, or, you know, 10 years later, uh, officer gets stabbed in the neck. You know, it, it, it happens, right? Shit yeah. happens. But the problem is, is that 
you know, this one instant, this one instance, you know, um, last year where this officer, you know, is doing what he's supposed to be doing, security check, whatever. Here comes an individual who wants to do bad, has an opportunity, stabs the officer in the neck. Um, officer shoots him or tries to shoot him. Uh, officer had his gun taken from the suspect. But at the same time, there was another officer that responded, heard this, right, and responded and started returning fire at this individual. Um, it couldn't be disputed whether his shots killed this person or this person ended up killing himself. Either way, he acted. Jimmy, there was no – there was there was nothing um, – there was no accolade that was given to this officer. Mm. There was no – there was nothing that was said. There was nothing that was – you know, you have officer of the year um, type awards and, you know, whatever the case is. And it just came about where, you know, I'm sitting there thinking if I was the chief, if I was the rank position that I could present this to this officer who did an incredible thing and reacted and did the good thing of shooting back and possibly stopping multiple people from getting killed, you know, um, this person would have gotten officer of the year, but that's not what happened. Why is that? You know, I don't know, but that's the opposite of what you're talking about, right? Like he deserves, he deserves that, right? He deserves to be recognized and I, I will recognize him on this podcast. Um, but again, it goes back to these issues where it's like, you know, yeah, what, what what is leadership thinking in all these things? You know, whether no. it's mental health or whether it's just even a, a morale boost of like, man, you're doing a great job. Well, I mean, a lot of the team or the leaders, they, they just worry about themselves and, and they want to say, hey, guys, don't get out there and don't get in trouble. And, uh, you know, so I don't get in trouble. So and instead of going out there and being like, hey, look, keep doing what you're doing, even though I'm getting, you know, uh, you know, some flack for, you know, people calling in you know, saying, you know, hey, you're, they're being too aggressive or something like that. It's like, you know, do do what you're doing and then uh, and then I'll award you for, for doing your job. Right. You know, that's, you know, I'm, I'm going to let you know that you're doing a good job. Right. So, I mean, we have, not too long ago, we had a, um, this guy, uh, he had a warrant. He goes to his girlfriend's house. She said, hey, you can't come in here. She calls and goes, hey, he was just here. He has a warrant. He took off down the road. Okay, we, we bowled the area. Couldn't find him. About two minutes later, my sergeant at the time found him on the side of the road. He gets out, tries to uh, get a hold of him. The guy tries to take off and take off running. So a deputy tackles him, gets him to the ground, cuffs him, gets him back over. Realized that he had his backpack on, so we had to uncuff him to get the backpack off mm-hmm. and then and recuff him. So when we're doing that, I'm on the left side, and it's right on A1A. So it's, I mean, there's cars going 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 and we have both both vehicles are kind of blocking it well the same kid that tackled him before was on the right side where he he took off running mm-hmm. he into the street so this deputy grabbed him and basically saved his life because he was going to run right into that, that oncoming traffic grabbed him and yeah i mean he's he, when he turned he slammed him down on the ground so and uh, when he did the deputy hit his thumb on the ground and uh, thought he broke it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he goes, he, and what he said was, he's I'm fucking done with you and gets up and walks away. Didn't hit him. Didn't do anything like that. 
he was done with them because he'd already tackled them once over here and once here he got hurt. So, so you know, they call him in. They call him in for that. They called him in for what? What they call him in for? For saying, uh, "I'm fucking done with you." Wow. Yeah. Wow. For the for his verbiage. Verbiage. Yeah. Wow. I was just like, oh, they they asked me and they go, well, when they turned and he threw him to the ground, how did that happen? I go, gravity. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thing called EMC squared. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> uh, well, but. listen, man. So I, I, you know, we we talked about your uh, career. Like I said, man, I think it's a such a great. Um, when I met you, you know, we we worked in detail. We did executive protection stuff, and you know, I, we could talk about that. It, it, it really, it's kind of I think a blip on the radar screen for both of us. That was but, that was a bad dream. Yeah, <laughs> so, I left. I left NASA to go work for SpaceX, making way more money. Yeah. And then, and then I left SpaceX to go work for him, making way more money. And then the first day I was there, the FBI goes by his house. <laughs> you know the re- and you know the rest. <laughs> I, yes, I do know the rest. Um, but what I did want to plug and I wanted you to plug is Cicada Tactical and just kind of the brainchild. You're the brainchild behind it. Why did you want to start it? Um, I love the, the motto. You can share the motto of if the people see Cicada Tactical, you'll see this motto, which I think is, uh, right on time with what's happening today. Um, go out and get your guns, but go ahead, Jimmy, tell me everything that's gone on with Cicada Tactical from inception to where it is now. Well, so um, that guy that I was telling you about, the Nick Romero, the sniper guy that was on my team, he has a buddy that owns a company called uh, Twisted Industries, and they were getting into firearms. And he had, he had worked with a company, Caltech, and um, worked for them for a long time, him and his dad, and they wanted to start their own you know, weapon company. So they were asking for like new ideas and, and stuff like that. And so I'd sit around and think about you know things. And I tell you the truth, the, my first patent that I, I have three US patents and my first one was a uh, was a dream. Came to me in a dream, and and the funny thing is, and and you can say you know it's it's horseshit, but uh, <laughs> me and this guy that that lives on the west coast basically had the same idea, and we both put in a patent for it almost at the same time. Wow. Yeah, and so it's a uh, but that patent was um an LED illuminated weapon site. It uses visible light and IR. And it uses fiber optics, so it's it's basically a fiber optic sighting system, a pop up sight for your for your. Uh, well, it could be for any any weapon that uses a Picatinny rail, and um, it uses a a, a photocell, a, a, a progressive photocell. So the darker the room gets, the brighter the the sights get. Um, made it for for IR for for covert searching for nods and stuff like that. Um, now that this is something that. Uh, that I'm trying to get going, but my, my third patent, which is a, it's a multi-position weapon accessory mount. It uses a, um, it, you can put it a grip on it. I call it a barricade stop because the cool thing about this is it's a, it's a barricade stop slash grip and it's at a 45. So you can actually set it vertically on an AR pistol and it's legal. So, which, which is good. So, but it also has an RMR, um, a universal RMR plate, so you can have a, a RMR and a flashlight. So it goes from zero degrees 
to 75 degrees left or right and 15 degree increments. Um, right now, I just have the the um, the barricade stop mold. I'm just I'm just producing that now because. Tell you the truth, man, that's that's seventy five thousand dollars that I'm in the hole right now, and and I've I've sold thirty, wow. so I just I just started, so it's 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 a uh, I'm I'm really good friends with the owner of Diamondback Firearms, Bobby Fucking, uh, I don't know if I should say his name, <laughs> Bobby. So uh, anyway, he uh, he's he's very supportive. Like uh, I'm I'm getting ready to put him on his site. I have my own uh, website at cicadatactical.com. Um, I'm on Instagram. But it's just one of those things like the, the modular um, grip or the mount that I made was, was more for ergonomics mm -hmm. and uh, for, uh, for, for holding that position for, for a long period of time. When you're on the stack or when you're, when you're shooting competition and stuff like that, you want to have your, your hand canted a little bit, you know, thumb over war with your hand canted a little bit. So it's, it's more, more comfortable. So you can, you, you know, less, and then the actual, the site you can uh, get as close to your magnified optic as your, you know, reflex sight close to your magnified optic. So it's less time off target. You know, mm -hmm. people say, oh, well, man, you're going from a magnified optic at zero degrees to your 45, you know, degree. And I was like, well, no, I set mine at 30. And they go, oh, 15 degrees isn't going to make a difference. Uh, it's time off target. Yeah. So faster you are. And, I, you know, I hate to go back and say, oh, we're, we're timing this now. But we're timing this now. <laughs> so... But that you know, I have those two, and then I have a a, a bullpup uh, patent that that's that's later down the road. That's like a hundred fifty thousand dollar venture right there, just to get two prototypes. Yeah, you got to get two prototypes, and you got to send that to ATF, and they got to categorize it. And if they come back and they say it's a class three, I'll be it's never gonna get made. So um, no, I'm I'm just right now I'm just I'm, I'm I'm pushing forward my my grip, and I'm pushing forward my my sighting system when I get the money to actually put that in production but great concept i know it's a good concept because i i talked to a company about five years ago and i'm not going to say their name but they're a foreign company and they're making a product kind of like mine mm -hmm. but from my idea oh, so wow. yeah so they actually they actually stole my idea and they're, and they're making it now but I, i'm gonna have to say my my idea is a little bit better um because mine you can change a battery it'll last forever um there's actually it's a, uh, it has a battery built in. It only lasts for five years. Now it's a difference, you know, with my sighting system, you know, it's basically going into night sites, you know, mm -hmm. tritium overseas, you know, yep. in some countries it's illegal. You can't have it because it's radioactive. Mm -hmm. tritium, tritium only comes in like three or four colors. Mine can be any color you want. Mm -hmm. um, tritium has a shelf life of 10 years. Mine can last over a hundred thousand hours. Wow. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a great product, you know. Hopefully, I'll get that going soon. Um, so I just need to get some grips sold before I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing great things, man. And honestly, you know, whether it's Cicada Tactical or even just your connections with was it Doug or Dave Monda? Doug, 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 Doug great Monda guy. with Survive First, right? That is a guy you want to talk to too. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, yeah, we'll definitely, we'll definitely, uh, I'll, I'll hit you up after this and we'll try to get that, uh, squared away. But, um, the last thing for you, you've done all this, you've had 30 plus, you've had 30 years in law enforcement. You've been a special operator. You started your own company. You got three U S patents. You know, you've done a ton of stuff. You've been in executive protection, 
for <laughs> for a principal that <laughs> made national and international headlines. Um, but you've done all this, you've done all this stuff. And so, you know, here I am, I'm coming to you as a younger person wanting to get into law enforcement, wanting to get into uh, just that arena. What is your two-minute spiel of what you would want to get across to this younger person? Hmm. Well, I would, I would definitely say go for a few ride-alongs. You know, <laughs> make sure that this is what you want to do. Um, you know, I've, I've, i talked to like a lot of guys like that, you know, for, you know, uh, being an amount of years I've been into it, you get these young kids that are going through FTO. And that's the first thing I ask them. I go, you know, what made you want to do this? Especially at this time, you know, like in Bavard, it's not too bad. We, we get our, our, uh, our communities like really behind us. Um, it's, it's not like, you know, in some other States where I see, you know, that, you know, defund the police. It's, it's not like that here. So I, I, I can't say it's bad. Um, but I do talk to these young kids and not, you know, I'm like, well, you know, what makes you want to do this? And there's like, oh, my, you know, a lot of it's like, oh, my, my family did it or, or, uh, you know, I'm, you know, my, uh, my friend went in the army and, he, you know, he was a, you know, MP or something like that. And, and he loved it. Um, so it's just like, research it, you know, with any, with any job, any job, you know, I tell that to everybody. There's a, there's a kid that I was just talking to the other day. He's, he's getting ready to go to college for wrestling he's got a, a full ride scholarship and he said he doesn't want to go to college that he wants to um he wants to make weapons and stuff like that's his passion he wants to be a machinist and i go okay i said um this week i said i'm gonna and it's this week coming up i'm gonna take him through diamondback firearms manufacturing plant because you know they have they make everything i said look you look at it and and see if, if this is really what you want to do you know so that's that's my main thing is like get out there get you know do a ride along you know don't don't watch the tv don't don't uh don't get the hype about oh this is what cops do and especially like swat you know you know what they do <laughs> you know 90 percent of the time when swat gets called out they sit on a perimeter and they sit there for hours and you're sweating your ass off and and, and you're watching a, a door or a window you know, you you know, you get there late, so you're not like on a you're not on the stack. You know, you're not you're not going in. You're on a perimeter. You're a gas guy. You're gonna you're gonna gas this guy, which is actually sometimes better because you're the only one that gets to shoot something. So, <laughs> uh, so um, you know, look into you know what you what you want to do because there's so many avenues that you can do in, in law enforcement. I mean, you know, GCU general crimes, uh, you, you, homicide, you know. You know everything. There's all these things that you can get into. Um, in Marine Patrol. You know a lot. You know a lot of guys. You know dig that. That's a really, really hard unit to get into because nobody wants to give up the boat. You know. So it's like uh, you know SWAT. If you want to do SWAT, there's K9. You know, look into all these things that you can do. That's the one cool thing about law enforcement. I mean, you can get into engineering, and there's like a few things, mechanical, electrical, and stuff like that. But it's not as broad as you know, law enforcement, you go, you go to work every day. You don't know what you're going to get, man. It could be a slow day. It could be like a really long day. You know, you, um, you could have no arrest. You can have five, you know, whatever. So it's just, you know, and it's all about what you want to do. You want to be proactive, be proactive, you know? And I mean, I don't want anybody to go out there and be, you know, bump on the log, you know, that this is your job, you know, go out and do your job. So, but, you know, look into it. Uh, look at all the different, you know, divisions there are, you know, I mean, shoot federal, you can do federal, 
in federal law enforcement. Shoot, they even have a post post office has law enforcement. <laughs> I mean, you can do it the railroad. I mean, there's all kinds of things. So it's just like there's there's so many avenues that you can do in law enforcement. It's it's one of the broadest jobs you can have, and and you can always have fun. It's always fun. What's the what's the mental health thing that you would tell a younger officer that they need to pay attention to? Well, uh, one thing is if uh, alcohol doesn't fix anything, you know, um, there was one guy who said, yeah, alcohol works. It does work. It makes you forget for a short period of time, but guess what? It doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I, I have my fair share, you know, I, 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 I drink. It's, it's not bad. I don't, I don't really drink to because of what I saw or anything like that, but I know there are people that do. Um, so, but talk, talk to people. I mean, don't be afraid to talk to somebody. That's, that's my thing. So if, if I ever have anything that's bothering me, I reach out to people that I know I can talk to. Um, and then if I see somebody that that's having a bad day, go up and talk to them. It's like, I, you know, I, I, one the, the guy that uh, was uh, friends with the guy that killed himself, um, he's on my squad, and he was he was getting he's getting ready to get married. That guy was supposed to be in his wedding. You know, I, I text him, I call him. You know, I was like, hey, you need anything? You want to talk about anything? And he actually went out um, that week and went and talked to a mental counselor. So I mean, it's not like the it's not like the old days where if you go out and you talk to somebody and you go get mental health that you'll get kicked off or you get your badge taken. It's not like that anymore. Um, like in the military, if we were on a, uh, I was on a um, thing called PRP, personal reliability program. So um, anytime you dealt with class, or, uh, class A priority, re- priority A resources, I don't know if I can say what they actually were, but well, I don't know, whatever, you know what they are. Mm-hmm. But, um, anytime you had to deal with that, if you said anything like, oh, I feel this way, like, oh, nope, you're off you can't work it's just like it's not like that anymore you know it's like uh they, they realized by by isolating people like that that it becomes more of a problem you know so it's like talk to somebody if you have any issues um don't rely on substance you know uh you know and i i want to say you know me and my wife we were having issues not too long ago we got back into the church that was <laughs> that changed a lot you know so, I mean, church, you know, go around, talk to people and, and everybody in church wants to talk to you. Mm-hmm. They won't let you leave. <laughs> <laughs> so those are, those are all great advices. And, you know, that's why I asked you that. I mean, you have such a incredible career and such great wisdom. And I think younger officers need to hear it more, um, especially from older heads, you know, because, regardless of whether you came in and all you do is Snapchat and Instagram, you're still going to go through a lot of the same issues that other officers have gone through. And you can learn from that. Jimmy, Wright, Listen, man, I appreciate you coming on. I'm honored that you came on. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Where can uh, people buy what your grip and your site, if they, if they want to go buy it, Um, how, how does that happen? You can go on to uh, cicadatactical.com. That's my actual website. If you want to contact me, you can uh, contact me at cicadatactical at gmail.com. 
Um, I'm, I'm there. If you ever want to just ask questions, talk to me or anything like that. Uh, that's my, uh, my personal um, account. Uh, my phone number is actually on the, the uh, website. So if you ever want to give me a call, give me a call. Sounds awesome, man. Yeah. Jimmy, thank you so much for being on, man. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely talk. I'm going to talk to you after this. But like I said, I'm honored. Thank you for coming on. Okay, brother.